welcome to One Day Contract, the Panthers talk show where each week we're joined by a new personality who we've signed to a one day contract to join the show. One Day Contract is a proud part of the Riot Network. Follow us on Twitter at the Riot Network to stay up to date on all your favorite pods. Make sure to subscribe, rate, love us where you get your podcasts. My name is Nikki Wolf. With me as always, Josh Klein, editor-in-chief for the Riot Report, and is still recovering from just what he did to himself down there in Texas. How are you feeling? Yeah. I'm, uh, I, I would say I'm feeling a little sleepy. My body is starting to recover from the first away game of the season. Um, and I'll tell you this, I, I have I, I, long-time listeners will know I, I try to classify myself as a 90% vegetarian. And when you go down to Texas, that's that 10%. So um, I, I went to this, I went to a barbecue place where um, I got the three meat plate and then myself and a buddy added on a beef rib, which I was like, oh, beef rib, like whatever for splitsies. And then they, they weighed it out. It was 1.7 pounds weight. It cost us $48 to split. And it was, um, I, I would say the size of my torso, like it was gigantic. It was like, it was like Fred Flintstone had set this thing down on our table and, um, and then we ate the whole thing and then, uh, and, and then, uh, drank a million beers to, to top it off. So, uh, thank you very much, Dallas. I will be feeling, uh, terrible for the next, uh, right up until Sunday at game time. Excited for it. When you were describing it before you said Flintstones, that's what I had in my head. So I'm glad I was on the right track with that. Yeah, it was, uh, if we had been in a car, it might've tilted it. Um, but, um, just on a, just on a picnic table outside, uh, it just made us look like, uh, just two adults, uh, eating two to four pounds of meat between the two of us. So, uh, it was great. Enjoyed it. Pecan Lodge, in case you're curious, (laughs) Pecan Lodge. It was very good. I would recommend Dallas. We'll hit it up next time we're there. Our other sidekick in this mess we call One Day Contract, Colin Hoggard, columnist and contributor for the Riot Report, and now the proud subscriber to a bunch of emails from the OKC Thunder after downloading their app last night to watch some preseason Hornets games. Hello, Colin. I may have used our pre-show meeting as a reminder to delete said Thunder app. Also, speaking of reminders, Nikki, have you gotten your new corporate card? Because I don't remember being able to charge $48 in additional meat to uh to the roaring riot corporate card here recently it does yeah, go down as additional meat as additional meat because <laughs> we have a meat column on the expense sheet and then we have an additional meat column um that you really gotta really gotta you really gotta treat yourself to sometimes nikki don't call the show a mess we might have new listeners that are tuning in and you're just like oh i'm talking about how much meat i ate uh, college complaining about no corporate card. You're calling it a mess. Like we want people to, to join in. This is, this is not indicative of how the whole show is going to be. We're definitely not going to talk about nonsense the whole time. I promise you that. Mess is an endearing term. So it's a beautiful mess. That's a good point. Uh-huh. I will not be rating the Thunder app at any point during this podcast though. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. Let's bring on our guest on the one-day contract this week, Walker Mail, host of Sports Center Charlotte Mornings and Evenings, as well as Pro Football Rewind on ESPN 730 The Game, not to mention the host of the Locked On Hornets broadcast. And it's probably one of the only guests disappointed he didn't get to choose his own theme song this week. Uh, Welcome, Walker. Thank you so much. It's always fun this time of year to join the one-day contract. One, a kudos to you guys for getting all of that in there. It's a lot of the hosting thing. So thank you very much for plugging all of it. And you are so right. 
the first thing I did, I'm not kidding. First thing I did when Josh texted me to see if I could come on the one day contract, looked immediately in my iTunes folder, trying to figure out what song I was going to roll with. <laughs> did it last year, but here we are doing zoom. And so it's not like I'm getting brought in by any song and I've got the perfect one chosen just like I did last year. I was going to go like two, one, three hard way, especially with G funk representing the halftime show at the Super Bowl. I was going to go with Snoop Dogg, Warren G, Nate Dogg, RIP and 213 the album my third appearance on the one day contract i had it all figured out i would have loved to have had some music but in the end still happy to be here no you know, we've uh, just crushed your dreams yeah you kind of did we Not spent the on. music budget on additional meat if you didn't hear <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's not bad if you're going to spit it on barbecue. And I do have an additional meat story. There one time was when I went to Don Shula's Steakhouse. And you know, the, I don't know if you've ever been to the Shula Steakhouse, but 48-ounce steak is like their big challenge that you can do. And so for my birthday one time, my dad actually bought the 48-ouncer, put it in front of my face and said, here you go, son. Try to make me proud. Knocked it out. Got my name on a little certificate. I don't know wow. where it is, I, but, I, but I knocked it out, and it was one of my best. It is. I, it's got to be my best food feat of all time. So additional meat, man, I'm with you. My story comes from the Shula Steakhouse. Do they, do they, they have the menu on a football still, right, at Shula's? Is that still the thing? I think so. It was pretty blurry as I was walking out of there. I had alcohol That's on top <laughs> of that, too. So I don't remember a ton from it. <laughs> I have to admit, I've never thought about being, you know, getting a certificate from a restaurant before as being something I'd like to accomplish before, you know, my time is done. But I think it, I think I just added it to the bucket list. You're welcome. And I checked it off my bucket list. It's really a great feeling. I don't know why I was so proud of myself, but here I am telling the public about it, all the world that is listening to this podcast. So, you know, shoot for the stars, everybody. Did people, well, Shula is probably listening to, he's, is he alive? I don't think so. R.I.P. No, Shula. Yeah. R.I.P. Shula. Fact, in fact, I think. Eating at that had... steakhouse in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the old 48 ouncer up in the sky. Uh, I think that Shula actually was just remembered or something. I think they just had a day of remembrance. And I, I think that's actually like took place last week. I don't know. We probably shouldn't speak of the dead anymore unless I, I, this feels all very weird now. I, I wish this was if people could see the zoom squares here this is like a it's a perfect a, a perfect like tableau of how the podcast is Colin just has his head in his hands uh Walker and I are just just yelling nonsense about Don Shula and just yeah. questioning whether or not he is still alive and Nikki was off the screen laughing it's just like really like brings it all together I love it uh, R.I.P. Don forgive us Shula's please May 4th 2020 <laughs> all right now where do we go help okay. us nikki please goodness please help me this well, is literally what we brought you back for nikki i was we bought you some time for the masterful segue oh could have rubbed it in josh's nose nope oh my bad sorry guys i'm out of practice and i missed you guys last week sorry i could not be there but let's before we get into panthers talk let's talk nikki's super important question so i need to know the great Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp meltdown of 2021. How did you spend those six hours that you got back from your life? Uh, I, I can weigh in because my group chat with all of my college friends is on WhatsApp. And I didn't really realize how often we text each other before when I just realized like how 
like just out of touch I felt for those six hours of just like what's why is my phone like not constantly have notifications asking me if I've watched Squid Game or like if the latest episode of Only Murders in the Building is good like just just the biggest nonsense and then there's always that one guy in the group chat that sends screenshots of funny headlines um I, I just I miss that I need that New York I need those New York Post uh silly headlines about um I don't know famous dolphins coaches passing away. Like that's the kind of stuff that I need to be caught up on. All right, Pete. Yeah. For me, I didn't ever experience it too much. I, I'm glad to say that I am off the Facebook. I am actually not a part of the Instagram world, very a part of the Twitter world. I would have absolutely noticed it had that been the app that was suffering so much during that whole thing that was going down. But I tried to check Facebook once. It wasn't working. Thought it was my own internet connection. Like, that's what I thought of. And then I, on Twitter, I saw that Facebook was down. So didn't affect my life nearly as much. Now, Twitter, that would have been going down. It would have been a different story. Trying to refresh so I don't miss anything. That would have been a little different. But happy to say, Facebook didn't affect me as much. I was uh, completely unaware until after it was over. <laughs> which may shock you. Um, when I found out, I was momentarily hopeful that maybe we had a chance to return to humanity. But no, no, they, they had backups. Well, there's like the rumor that the source code was gone from Facebook, right? That like somebody just deleted it. Um, like they were wiping a 48-ounce steak off the table. <laughs> I would have gladly taken a Zuckerberg cam, a la like when a mother has a child stuck down a well, like and they have the camera locked on her. I, needed, I would have taken Zuckerberg. I would have watched that if I didn't know that was an option. I agree. Nikki, you're probably the most online out of the four of us. What, what was your, how, how was your uh, Instagram less life for those six hours? Yeah, I will say I was probably the first to realize that it went down. And that's because I do run social media accounts for two companies. And my first thought was, if it doesn't come back up, did I just lose two clients and two jobs? Because I, I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> But it came back and I'm still employed. So thank you to the world of social media for, for figuring it out. Thanks, there were Mark. Rumors, there were rumors that, that Tom from MySpace were behind it, but that's probably not true. <laughs> I miss MySpace. RIP MySpace. All right, let's jump into Panthers talk. So before we get to what happened in Dallas, let's run down a few notes here. So Shaq Thompson is considered week to week with a foot injury. How much more talent can the Panthers afford to lose on defense? Um, not a lot. Uh, uh, they, cause they're, I mean, they're dropping like flies and, and between JC Horn and Justin Burris, um, I, I mean, obviously they missed the, they missed that Dallas game. I think the Panthers missed Horn and Burris a hundred times more than they missed Christian McCaffrey out there on Sunday. Um, so I, I think that it's a, uh, you know, this is, this is just the arbitrage of the season. And also, I mean, Colin, we've talked about this multiple times on the show. Like, they're just not a, they're a rebuilding team and one thing you don't have when you're rebuilding is depth and when you lose guys across the starting lineup it, you, it, it can get ugly real fast yeah the the front line injuries an area that we thought we had depth and you see a guy like your, your, you know gross matos who we were so optimistic you wanted him to get off to a nice start after last year he was really optimistic in camp and then for him to automatically be you know or already be injured you had Reddit go down, and now Shaq. This feel this one feels like it falls into the category of why can't we have nice things? Like Shaq's playing the best ball of his career, and it's just like ah, uh, foot. Here you go. I don't know. 
This is this one's disappointing. Disappointing well, and, injury of the week. Oh, it, it certainly is. And I think the problem with all of this, though, is that you almost felt it coming because they had dodged so many injuries right at the beginning where you were having pretty decent injury reports right there as soon as the season started. And then, boom, it hits with J.C. It hits with Christian McCaffrey in the Texans game. It hits with Justin Burris. Now you're getting Shaq Thompson. And it's almost like I was happy anytime that the injury report would have a limited amount of names on it when it was only Shai Smith. It was nice, and the fact that it wasn't an, a whole season-long thing, you could feel good about it. But at, in the back of my mind, I always thought, we know what the NFL is. We, we know how this league operates. And the fact that you can have a team like Baltimore suffer all of their injuries the way that they did, have this middle ground. And Carolina was really one of the more fortunate teams in the health category. You had to feel like it was coming at some point. Wish we could have spread it out a little more. But here we are with Shaq Thompson going down, McCaffrey. I mean, we get the deal. So hopefully they're able to get as many guys back as quickly as possible. Yeah, speaking of McCaffrey, he is supposed to practice Wednesday, and they're going to evaluate him. So you think he's coming back this week versus Philly? Yeah, I, I think that – I don't think Christian McCaffrey is going to come back. And these questions are always weird. I feel like we talked about this with Greg Olson a lot, and you have this kind of conversation a lot with – injuries in general where you do you bring them back sooner do you hold off on a week just to make sure they're healthy the bottom line is it's always hard to tell the training staff what to do with these guys and I don't I don't know the information do you just if they say Chris McCaffrey is ready to go then I guess you play him do you always just say hey let's wait one more week after the training staff says they're ready so we're sure and and it just seems like, are you just holding them out? Are you holding a healthy player out, which is something I don't want to do? Hamstring injury is always weird because they can linger forever and ever. It felt like Julio Jones in the NFC South was battling that. He never missed a ton of games until last year, but he always had the questionable designation. You always had to wait. Hey, am I going to put him in my fantasy lineup? Oh, game time, he's good? Okay, then you'd have to wait till like 12 p.m. that day to put him in there. You don't want that to happen with McCaffrey, especially with the injuries that he suffered last year. So I get on wanting to be cautious. I, I'm generally a pretty cautious guy with injuries myself when, you know, ask these types of questions. But it is weird. If the training staff says, hey, he's good. He's good to go. We're going to have to make sure, you know, we're going to check on him as the game goes on. But if he's good, it feels weird to say, well, okay, let's hold him off and then play him next week. I, it, it's always hard to evaluate those types of things for me. To, to me, the answer can't always be be extra cautious because then at the end of the year, you're like, well, our stars played 12 fewer games than everybody else's stars because, well, we were being extra cautious. So they'd be healthy for the, for the playoffs. I think you're, you're right, Walker. It's, it's, it's so tough with injuries. And I think part of this is that coming back from a two-week – or coming back from a hamstring in two weeks, I don't think in the history of Madden you've been able to do that. I think it's always been a four-week – minimum injury so it automatically feels like to anybody that's played Madden or dealt with hamstring injuries that two weeks is automatically rushing them back even though like you said the medical staff may be saying that's not the case but does that include Greg Jennings heroic 90 yard touchdown reception while holding his hamstring against the Cowboys <laughs> did you think that's, about that well uh, I mean he had the he had the whole team on his back as well so you got to think about did. that he did. If, if Christian McCaffrey can do the Greg Jennings, then I say you bring him back, you feed him, even if he's holding the hamstring with one hand, carrying the football with the other, then let's just go at it full force. We got games to win, baby. Let's go ahead and do it right now.
I, I, I gotta, just don't think you can be that. I just don't think you can co- coach scared. I don't think you can yeah. manage your roster scared. There's not enough games, Josh. I had one more Darren Sharper joke, but I'll just I'll save that one. That'll go Goodness, on the blooper reel. No, no, we've it's already be, talked about dead people. Let's not go Darren Sharper. It's gonna be well. He's one of the hardest, hiddenest safeties in the league. Um, uh, the thing is, is that um, I think I'm actually gonna go the other way from you guys. Uh, I think that. What my worry is is that Matt Rule is uh, is is so invested in in winning now, and I know he doesn't know what win now means. He tries to win every game, but like he he feels like you know this is the season they have a chance at it, and he wants to bring Christian back with the thought of like you know let's get him out there on the field if he says that he's ready. And one thing that I do enjoy about the Matt Rule era thus far is it doesn't seem like he listens to the players as much as Ron Rivera did. Ron Rivera would go up to players and say, are you good to go? And they would say, yes, coach, my leg is falling <laughs> off, but I'm good. I'm, I'm out there. Like my, my Liz Frank is hanging out of my foot, but I'm, I'm good to go. And they would just roll them on out there. And, you know, sometimes to their detriment, um, sometimes franchise quarterbacks, completely decimated their shoulders over the course of two years by letting him play for a little bit longer than he should have. So yeah. I, I think that I would, I, I do have a little bit more faith in rule. I know I started the other way with this paragraph, but I feel like I do have some faith in him that if he, if Christian is not ready, he's not going to let Christian make that decision. He's going to make the decision. Which is great. And I, I hope that's the case. I'm doing some real fence sitting here as far as do you bring him back or not, just because you never know. I, I don't That's what the show's scared. about, Walker. We're all yeah, about going on both sides. I, I make both arguments up. and we'll just cut the video however we want. I'll sit the fence that way. I do want to bring up Matt Rule and his evaluation of how tough guys are. Man, Matt Rule, the last couple of years, you know, really just the year and a half that he's been here speaking to the media during the availability we get, you know, he makes a, a real emphasis to discuss somebody like Eli Apple, right, who kind of leaves the team always. It just seems like he was indirectly questioning his toughness, and then, you know, he's gone from the team. Now, I, I don't know about all the other outside factors that would take place there. But Dante Jackson, Dante, yeah, we love Dante Jackson. He's good to go. We're going to put, uh, put him out there. And he was always somebody that was banged up last year. And would he have benefited from just sitting out an extra week and then coming back a week prior? Our week after, you know, John Miller, certainly that football player is somebody that is ready to go right now. He's going to undergo all these injuries, and he wants to suit up for you. I really respect that. Rule talks about that a lot, and I hope that doesn't infiltrate the minds of the players enough to where they want to hide something. Now, to your point, hopefully Matt Rule is just like, nah, we'll, we'll make sure that you sit out, get you healthy. But he talks about it all the time, more than what I feel like I hear other football coaches discuss. And we've seen this kind of bear out in the secondary with an apple, with a Dante Jackson. I don't know. It's something that I kind of look for when I listen to Matt Rule. So I, I think it's important. I, I thought you were going to go a different way because – he preaches that stuff, and I don't think you can have CMC sitting in the garage constantly while you're telling the rest of your guys, "Hey, we're going for it. you. You've got to be in the lineup. Your your, you know, your your availability is your number one ability, and all that yep, stuff. That you, you made the trade. You made the trade. You know, to to for, for um, you know, for the cornerback to take you know Horn's place. You're making moves that say, "Hey, we we think we're a playoff team. If you think you're a playoff team." That medical staff gives your running back the green light. 
let's roll. Let's play some football. That doesn't mean I think, that I want him to give the green light if, if he can have it, mind you. You want the player to be healthy. But if they say, let's go, then let's go. What are we waiting for? Uh, I think if you're going to uh, push someone to return faster than maybe he is ready or like should that's not, not, not nobody that's said not, that. i understand i understand I, I that's the wrong phrase for it but if you're well, going okay. to accelerate someone's timeline i would say to me i would rather have shaq thompson out there at 70 percent. i think that's the other thing is that it, it and percentages thing is is like whatever it's it's very like bill simmonsy but like i would rather have would you rather have christian mccaffrey at 70 percent, or would you rather have 100 percent of chuba hubbard or like because i would rather have 70 percent of shaq thompson than 100 percent of julian stanford or uh or you know clay johnston sorry clay if you're listening what percentage of the panther backup quarterbacks would you have taken over cam newton i'm just curious since we're doing the percentage game here and it was irresponsible to have but that was the thing is but we no, but we already we we always said that that Cam Newton at like fifty percent was better than their backup. Like was a better was a better so, option. This is where you have these guys are professionals. They are professional athletes. They are not babies. They don't get their diapers changed as much as they're coddled. If you say you can't, like you need to be responsible for your body. That is your commodity. It's not just about your current deal, your current team. You need to take care of number one first. That's the difference. That's what professional is all about. I, I've not taken a professional athlete off the hook because he felt the pressure of the team to compete. No, this you're a professional athlete that makes decisions. I, I thought for sure Josh was going to say something. I I don't know. It seems like the last medical staff did not have the confidence of the t- of the team of the players in particular. Um, and so I'm not. I'm just not sure because it, it's it. It is true what what Walker said. Like it so much comes down to what the doctors and the trainers say, rather than the rather than the coach or the player. Do you believe? Does anyone on this podcast listen? If you believe this, you tweet me at Colin CLT. Do you believe Christian McCaffrey has not gotten a second opinion on every injury he's had? I mean, I'm not going to tweet at Wait you. I think to tweet you. That's why. I didn't yeah. Tweet. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not, no, I'm saying if you, you th- does anyone think he has not gotten a second opinion? No, I'm sure he has. And so I guess, what do you do then? If one doctor says you're hundred percent, one doctor says, Hey, you're about 70. Do you split the difference? Hey, Matt rule. Are you good with an 85? Is that cool with you? Yeah. Let's throw them out there and risk them. I'm not sure what you do in that scenario. So if we talk about percentages, and you just get all of the information, right? It's always real weird. And that's why, that's why injuries are so tough to talk about. Because here we are talking about professional athletes wanting to protect their body. But also, head coaches can't be dumb and just throw their best player out there on the football field if they're not healthy and there's a risk of re-injury. It, it was easier to talk about this when Kevin Durant went. We had all of this weird thing, the, the, all the weird things going on with the NBA Finals where doctors – were saying Kevin Durant can't re-injure it and that seemed like malpractice within Golden State's locker room where there were leaks and reports who the hell said Kevin Durant and injure himself once again eventually he would like we don't know about quote-unquote malpractice might be too strong of a word but you get the point we don't know 
how great this training staff is or the second opinion, right? Like that's why injuries are so tough to talk about when guys should come back, when they shouldn't. And, and it's so weird. It, if the training staff, if the doctor says healthy, I, I, do you feel like you should hold them out again? Or do you just put them out there? Because hey, these professionals, the people that have been studying it for so long, they're saying he's good to go. All right. Hard to argue with that guy. Hard to argue with those people. I, since you brought up the NBA, I look at the Kawhi Leonard situation where the Clippers don't even know what's going on with yeah. with their with their player. They're almost completely in the dark while on the hook for a max level contract that's going to pay that guy one two hundred what two hundred million dollars. So it, these guys have to take you know responsibility and accountability. If Christian McCaffrey's guy says, "Hey, he's not," and here's why. I, that that's the decision you, you know you, you I would go with if I'm Christian McCaffrey if if my guy says I'm not ready to go that's what I'm going with I mean you make it sound better through the team obviously on a Sunday morning or whatever or over through the weekend but you know that's that's the way I mean if I'm a professional athlete that's what I'm going with you know we thought he was going to be able to go all week it was getting better through Friday he got out there on the on the field on Sunday and then it just tightened up on him so we decided to hold him out another week Give him some time to get get uh, ready. Like I, I wrote the presser, I wrote the the quote that you send to Schefter for you. Like that. I like that's, that. Yeah, that's like that's that. that's the presser quote right there. Let's move on. Matt Rule says he'll evaluate the offensive line this week. Do you think they should make any changes? Are there any changes to make? Yeah, I I don't think there are. You know, that's the tough thing about this. The changes to make were this off season. And you decided to allocate your funds, allocate anything else that you had to other, different, to other positions. Number eight overall, you could have either traded back, selected Rayshon Slater a few selections later. You could have just selected Slater there, but you chose to go J.C. Horn because you wanted to really enhance this defense. And you did. This defense was great for the first two weeks. Competition wasn't phenomenal. Saints are a little bit harder to evaluate after that loss to the Giants, but they were legit. The secondary was awesome. J.C. Horn, the only time that he allowed exception was to Corey Davis. Good throw for Zach Wilson. We get the picture. That's what you decided. Sometimes making these decisions, it's all about sacrifices. You know, you sacrifice going after an offensive line. And I guess you tried to address it with Pat Elfline and Cam Irving. Man, you know, the evaluation there, if you thought that was really addressing it, was in on the first day then. of free agency too first and, first and day of free moves. agency the first the first moves like let's not even get it twisted with just the first day of free agency they were among the first moves reported let's go at like it's almost like they looked at a pro football focused grading sheet and went all the way south and said i'll take those two thank you that's what they did and now here you have Pat Elfline not playing the greatest of football cam irving got exposed certainly against this dallas cowboys offensive line so I mean, michael jordan <laughs> somebody they picked up and then released now he's on the practice squad but he was at least like some name that was released that that's the kind of help you're getting you know it, it's more michael jordan's except not with the prowess of air jordan right it's more michael jordan's out there and now he's on your practice squad because you need linebacker depth those are the kind of guys that you're going to be bringing in offensive uh, on the offensive line I, I viewed that first day of free agency thing completely different than you two guys did because on the first day of free agency, you're paying agent prices, right? That's the you're paying what the what the player's agent wants, and I thought they decided they would rather pay lower third tier offensive linemen. They needed to check boxes. They are in the middle of a rebuild, and they could they could sit there and hunt and hunt and hunt for bargains 
on guys on the offensive line that probably would have just been guys as well. I thought, you know, I'm not saying it's perfect, but I just don't – I don't read too much into that when you look at the – the years that they were given, the amount of money that was given. But this team has to address the offensive line going forward. I think they tried to patchwork this, and we talked about them punting, no pun intended, on you know basically special teams this year, ro- trying to roll Sly and Charlton back. Don't don't you know mess with that. We've got other things that we need to fix. And I have to believe, based on what you see from this roster. I have to think that offensive line will be the number one focus this offseason because that really is, to me, the only missing piece. We know that they have limited draft capital, but I have to think the offensive line is going to be a number one because the next step for this team is what can Joe Brady or this offense do when they believe in that offensive line? That's the main uh, next step. I agree with you, Colin. I think that the the offensive line help is coming, but I think it's not coming this season. I think you're seeing a lot of people reacting and saying like, we got to fix the offensive line. And it's like, that's just not something you can do four weeks into the year. You can't do it seven weeks into the year. I get it that everybody feels like Fitterer can just go out and trade for the best uh, off of the best left tackle and the best guard in the game and just give them a bag of peanuts and a 48 ounce steak, but it's not going to happen. Like you're, it's like, this is not that you can't, he he these guys are just not available also with the thing that i always say that that it's like almost hard to get across but i will just keep just spitting it into the wind is that there are 26 other teams out there that don't like their offensive line i know that for a fact go and look, go and talk to anyone else in the league outside of maybe the top five teams and maybe the Rams like their offensive line. Maybe the, um, maybe the bucks like their offensive, not even maybe the bucks like their offensive line. The Cowboys like their, the Cowboys like their offensive line. Like there, there are five, maybe eight teams in the league that like their offensive line. And the other 24 are just bouncing all these dudes around. And yes, I get it. The, like, I, I was it was a little bit concerning to me that they went out and they signed Elfline and Irving for the first on the first day of free agency. But the reality is, is if you sign a guy in Cam Irving for two years, 10 million, and he starts 16 games for you and plays 100 percent of the snaps at left tackle, that's kind of not a bad deal for five million dollars a year, even if he gives you average to below average play at that left tackle spot. That's what you're going to end up getting unless you invest in the draft into this offensive line because that's what you have to do on a rebuilding team if you go out and sign guys you end up with Matt Khalil for five for 55 and it sets you back three years so you have to if you are young and you are rebuilding that's what they've done they've put so much draft capital so 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 much draft capital into this defense that now the defense is the number one defense in the NFL. I don't think they're number one anymore, but they were. Um, and, and they are they are a better unit than the offense. And so you have to think that that the next step is bring the offensive line or the offense up to catch up with how with how much you've invested in the defense. Yeah, and, and I I completely agree. It's it's all about the sacrifices, right? You thought J.C. Horn was more valuable to what you wanted to do, and so you selected him at eight overall, and you just liked him as a player better. Okay, that's fine. There were reports that they didn't think Rayshon Slater was somebody that could go out there and be a left tackle. Missed evaluation. Certainly, it seems like that yep. now. But they decided that that wasn't what they wanted to go after, and so okay, I, I'm not going to kill you for that. I, I didn't love going after. Elfline and Cam Irving with Irving having bounced around a couple of times and Elfline right off of the bat being somebody that bounced around a couple of different teams and then the offensive line wasn't good with the Jets 
Elfline contributed to that. And then Carolina decides, you know what, we're going to go after him and we're going to try to fix him. It, it just didn't seem Matt rule loves traits, man talks about it all the time. I like it in the draft in free agency. When you're going after cam Irving, who's got all the traits and, and looks good at that spot, but there's a reason it hasn't worked out. That's the coaching ego thing. And, and Matt rule thought he could fix it. Not necessarily crazy fixed. And so if, if he can be average for 16 games, Oh man, that's fantastic. If he can be average for 16 games on that contract, that's phenomenal. The question is, can he get there? Can he even be a tick below average? If you're paying right. him that money for somebody that's a turnstile, then a bad deal is a bad deal is a bad deal. And that's what happened the first day of free agency. I just don't think you would find if you gave the, if with the amount of money, that pot of money, you're not going to find guys that, that, that you love generally for, for 16 games you know, or, or for, that aren't going to have bad weeks. And, and I don't think they looked at them as long-term solutions. I think they realized they needed yeah. to get some guys in here and they want to get some, try and get some vets in here and, and plug some holes. That's why these are two-year deals. You know, okay, gr- look, if they can be this, great. Hopefully the rookie does, that we're going to draft doesn't have to take over from next year, but maybe he will and he'll be the backup. Whatever it was, I, it's roster building, particularly when you have as much churn. People want to make it as if, Fitterer and Ruler are like drawing hearts around all of these guys that they're bringing in, and it's just not the reality. Like when you pay a guy, that's when you draw hearts around him, you know. And, and I know that they paid him in free agency, but not not big time money. That's you know. But you're going to bring guys in. You're going to find guys. And and the reality is, I don't think there's anybody in this offseason that they would have invested in. And if there had been, now you're talking about not having Hassan. Now you're talking not talking about not adding Frankie Louvu potentially. If, if you sign, if you spend more money on the offensive line, and is this offensive line better with two B plus instead of C plus or C minus guys? I don't. I, I still think we're we're still talking offensive line today, probably. Yeah, I also think that you know, I mean, they they can say whatever they want on Mondays when people ask them if they're in win now mode. I think that both Matt Rule and Scott Fitter realized that they were not going – they were not booking hotels in San Francisco in February or in L.A. Maybe they were in San Francisco because they were just going on vacation. But uh, they were not – you know, they they realized that they're in year two of a rebuild. They didn't know what they were going to have in Sam Darnold. They didn't know how maybe how quickly this defense was going to gel um, and, and how just how, you know, good and how athletic they were going to be. And so they said, you know, like, let's, let's fill these spots and let's go forward at a certain point. And then maybe, maybe Brady Christensen can do it at some point. Uh, maybe Deontay Brown can do it at some point. But if we have to start Dennis Daly for 15 games, we have to start Pat offline, it, it's not the worst thing in the world. And then eventually you do find the guys that take these, take their spots. If these guys continue to have roster spots going forward, then then we then we can have have a conversation. But right now, I think it's a it's a stopgap thing. They're turning over this roster, and I just want to be. I'm curious: Are we in agreement that there's certainly their championship window, so to speak, is not open, but they are in the NFC playoff hunt window for sure, and that's where they're going to be this season. Nothing is going to change, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think they're going to be really hard to beat. I think that defense is going to put them in position. And the offensive line, it just has to hold up. It, that, it just has to hold up enough for these skill positions to do their thing and Sam Donald to play really kind of like he's played 
the first somewhat quarter of the season. Yeah, like it, it, the offensive line isn't atrocious enough to allow this season to spiral out of control and just kill this offense. And I think you have a Taylor Moten to help with that, like Matt Paradis can hold up. And, and it was bad against Dallas, but the first three games, it was fine. You know, it wasn't the worst thing in the world and they were able to win. And so I think that's probably what you should expect more of as the season goes on, going to at least contend for some playoff spot. Let's talk about this Dallas game. So what is happening in the third quarter that the Panthers can't get their head around? Panthers have scored 17 points in the past eight third quarters combined. What's happening? Are we talking, is it halftime adjustments coming out flat? What is it? Well, I think it's, so uh, we said this the first couple of weeks, right? It's like when things carry over from season to season, that's when I start to get worried in terms of, um, uh, maybe not coaching, but just in terms of, uh, of the way that the team is, is run. And it does seem like this third quarter thing has carried over from season to season. And it certainly manifested itself, uh, badly in the third quarter of this Cowboys game. I don't know that necessarily, uh, the defense was doing anything differently against Darnold, um, other than Darnold made a few mistakes, but it does, it is disconcerting to me that they do tend to come out flat and that they can't, they, they just can't figure out a way not to. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, I'm, I'm sure Phil Snow and Matt Rule are, and Joe Brady are all, I mean, they've tried yelling at them. I'm sure they've tried talking to them. I'm sure they've tried having an ice cream sundae in there. Um, but I, I don't know if they've figured out how to get them to come out, um, to come out better in the, in that second quarter, in that third, or in that third quarter, in that second half. And, and it might just be a case of, you know, the, the coaching staff needs some time to get used to what it's like, what kind of, what NFL halftime adjustments look like. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's tough to say the third quarter is the reason why, you know, the, the scheme is the problem in the third quarter, but it's not in the first and the second and the fourth. You know, when you start to talk about these teams getting ready for a game on Sunday, you know, they have all this week to prepare and the scheme works well enough for the Carolina Panthers to put some points on the board. And then I guess at halftime, oh, it's all about halftime adjustments. And then they're not coming out making those adjustments. But the fourth quarter, they're starting to put a few more points on the board, right? So I guess they're just making the fourth quarter. That's where it kind of all gets jumbled up. And I agree with you. Like, I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily the scheme. I don't know if it's necessarily them just not motivating their players. Sometimes you just get weird stats, and this just might be one of them. You know, eight third quarters, it's a lot. I get it. That, that is a lot of quarters to be bad at scoring the football. But it just might be one of those weird outlier things, and they certainly need to play better in that. It's helping them lose games. But at the same time, I don't know if I can point to something definitively and say, yeah, that's the reason why this is the thing that causes them the most problem. I do think it's probably a source, a source of turmoil within the building, though, because of the importance of those finishing the half and then that first score of the second, of the second half. All the analytics say that those are massive stats. If they're as analytically based as they want to be, this stat has to be driving them bananas over there. As to what exactly it is, Josh, I, I, I think it's probably a little bit of what, what, what Walker said. Sometimes, you know, if you, if, you, if, you, if you get the ball first, then you kick off. You only get the ball for four minutes. And third quarter. There, there's different things that play into it. But they, I don't know if they might be trying to over-adjust. Is that a thing? Can you, can you outsmart oh, maybe. yourself? 
into thinking, well, surely they've got onto this and now you change that. But, you know, it, it, we're, I guess it's just a guess, but it absolutely is a, it's a thing that we have now observed. And I think once it, once it's like something that you're observing, then it, it, it becomes real whether or not it's, it should be. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you. Like, I, I don't want to pretend like my little two-minute rant at the beginning of this was like, this is what's happening in the third quarter and they need to get better at it. I, I don't know. And I, I would imagine yeah. that Matt Rule and Joe Brady don't know either and Phil Snow don't know. Like, because if they did, it wouldn't continually happen week after week. And so I think it's, you know, just like you said, it's, it's a thing. And until it gets better for two or three weeks in a row, um, it will continue to be a thing. So I, my – my my overall larger point, I guess, if if you pull back from this, is that like the the coaching staff is still making some like they're still making some like game strategic mistakes that I don't really understand. Like I don't understand why they didn't go for two on any of the first two touchdowns that they scored in the fourth quarter. Um, like just kind of like basic game management things. Um, but then they also will make spectacular moves like like uh, like purposeful twelve men on the field um penalties that that might have been able to get them an extra possession had they been able to stop um Zeke Elliott when they ran that pitch at the end of the game so it's like these two things that they're doing are kind of in juxtaposition of each other and I think that does I mean we said it before I'll say it again still just a young it's a young team it's a young coaching staff I do think they're going to get better um at, at some of these like game game management type of decisions and maybe i'm wrong on this but i i remember more so this game uh with dallas all of us kind of talking about and scratching our head what is matt rule doing in this specific third quarter compared to other third quarters it's not like we were blaming matt rule for his game management in the seven previous bad third quarters with this football team and so this one specifically with Dallas I think we're kind of pointing to with a couple of the games or a couple of uh, the things that he did in the second half saying yeah that was weird and and I'll say this too the the two problems that we had with the offense it was third quarter issues and it was the red zone problems starting to fix the red zone problems they've been scoring touchdowns once they get in there but the red zone problems they were I think easier to diagnose one it's just harder Right. I mean, it's just harder to score once you get in the red zone and you have Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold as your quarterback. They're not elite. I, they're not pro bowlers. You know, they're, that's just what the reality of the situation is. And it's harder for coaches to have the talent rise up in that specific instance because it is so much harder. But also, I can go back to some of these games last year. Teddy Bridgewater had a wide open DJ Moore, I believe, against Minnesota, and you know he misses DJ. I think that was the game. You know, you're talking about a PJ Walker. I think two red zone turnovers, at least the one against Detroit. Yeah, t- two. Um, even if they won it, you know, it's just yeah, yeah, right. So two red zone turnovers. It's not necessarily on Joe Brady. You know, the offensive line's bad. They try to give it to McCaffrey. I guess you could blame Joe Brady in in uh, the one earlier this year where they try to go for it on fourth down, but. No offensive line didn't get enough push, right? Like, I think the red zone issues were a little bit easier to diagnose. I think the the third quarter problems there, it's a lot harder to figure out because it just might be one of those weird things. It, it may be one of those weird things, but it also could be fundamentally how they're attacking it. Like, if they're, if they're changing and, – and the reason I bring it up is because, as I think back to that the, the third quarter against Dallas, the drive that really befuddled me was when they – took two timeouts in the third quarter on a drive that didn't even get to midfield. 
Like if, if you're preaching to Sam Darnold that he needs to learn when to hold him, learn when to fold him, learn when to just, you know, move on to the next play. You guys got to learn to move on to the next drive too. Those two timeouts would be much more valuable. And I know that's, that's it's 2020 hindsight, but I can sit here and confidently tell you, I would not have been calling timeouts on that side of the 50 in the third quarter, especially not in a situation where we're, we're down. That, that's the kind that's a perfect example of the yeah. kind of like game management issues that I'm talking about. Like that, like little things that don't like, like they're not going to, they're not going to be like, the, like so much of coaching comes down to like, did he go for it on fourth down? Did he kick the field goal? Did he punt? But like those, those, those things, they tend, they add up. And, and so those, like, I, I do think that's something that you can improve upon um, as you get, as you grow as a coach. I, I will say that they had just given up the two touchdowns. So that was the third. It was, you know, so they had the two quick scoring drives. And so if rule is like, we got to stop this now, like, okay, I, I can get it. But I feel like it's something we've seen before as well. Are you concerned about the Sam Darnold turnovers? Guys, if Sam Darnold is going to be the quarterback of the Carolina Panthers, no matter how high they – the turnovers are going to be a thing. They they just are. Some guys, the truly elite, elite, they can keep that number low. But Sam Darnold's a human out there trying to compete against superhumans. And, and he's incredibly gifted too. But there are going to be turnovers. I really think he is the modern, more talented Jake. And anybody that remembers the Jake era, there were great games. A lot of times there's great, there great plays in games that also had turnovers. And I think that's who Sam's going to be here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's probably going to be a part of his game. Josh, you referenced if this is something that's been a problem transitioning from one season to another, then you have to worry. Well, this is all we've seen from Sam Darnold. We can change the scheme. You know, you have more competent coaching. There's no doubt about that. But we can't just all put 100% of the responsibility on Adam Gase and the Jets. This is something that Sam Darnold's had a problem. And you know what? He had a problem with this at USC, too. Like, we can even go back further than the Jets' time and that was one of the biggest knocks on this talented Southern California kid was that he had so much arm talent that he was so talented that he would tr sometimes try to force it where he shouldn't and somebody would intercept it or he would fumble the football because he tried to make a play live on. Yet Matt Rule and Joe Brady, I think they've done a decent job of toning that down to a certain degree, but you're going to have these. It, it, you just don't want to flirt with 20 turnovers on the season. Keep it. Can you can you have 15 total with interceptions and fumbles combined? That that's something that you want to work on. And I think Sam can get there. But if you're asking Sam to only throw eight interceptions, nine, kind of like Teddy ish, but also with the downfield passing ability, you know, like you're not gonna get you're not gonna get that with with, uh, with a Sam Darnold. You know, Sam's gonna turn the ball over a little bit throughout his entire career. I think bringing up Teddy's a great point, Walker, because. To me, with the playmakers that this offense has, you want Sam Darnold to try to get the ball in their hands. That's Absolutely. how this team is going to be the best that they can be. You don't want the guy to be reserved and be like, mm, uh, no, I didn't give DJ Moore a chance to make a play. So I'm okay with it, but you're spot on. You got to get the, we want to get that total down, but he's not going to post like a 30 and four season like an Aaron Rodgers. It's just not, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I, I think the thing that I was most impressed about was that he threw two interceptions and four, two interceptions out of four passes or out of four plays, and then next drive 
didn't come back and, and make more mistakes. He, he didn't double down and say, hey, I got to get this thing back. He still made the right decisions and, and ran through his reads. Um, and, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, he's going to make mistakes. Um, I, I, the, the question is whether or not he's going to let those mistakes build on each other and, and start gathering and have those, those boulders start rolling downhill in the wrong, in the wrong direction. So it's like that, if he can avoid doing that, I'm, I mean, it is what it is. He's going to throw interceptions and I got news for you. The Cowboys defense is good. It's not like it, it, you know, it wasn't the, it wasn't the, the jets uh, and not that they're the best example of a bad defense, but it's like the Cowboys defense is good. They're like Diggs leads the league in interceptions for a reason. Like he made a great play on that first ball. Um, The second ball was a little bit more Sam's fault than anything else, but it's like, it's it's fine. Like interceptions happen. You're going to turn the ball over. It's how you react to it. And I do think that the way that he bounced back was impressive. Um, and, and I was, uh, and I was excited to, that made me feel much more bullish about the game than, uh, than anything else was the fact that they got down by 28 and then they came, started coming all the way back. Yeah. Just when we start assessing Sam, there are two times that I think of that he bounced back and showed that it wasn't Gonna, a problem wasn't going to bother him all game. One was Houston. He didn't have McCaffrey. The offense looked ugly, and he came back and started to put some things together a little bit. And then also, you look at the Brandon Zilstra reception. It was, I believe, literally the play after he missed Robbie Anderson running wide on the left side that could have gone for a touchdown. The very next one, easier throw, should have completed it to Zilstra, but you know what he did? And Zilstra is able to run for 50 yards or whatever it was. And so those are a couple of moments where you're like, okay, this is great. Sam made bad mistakes, didn't look good, and he was able to turn it around and put them in a position to benefit from what he was doing, right? And so I think that's the thing uh, you look at with Sam. Okay, this is the this is a factor. This is a skill set you want to see continue on. The last two drives, the Panthers had ten plays and seven plays covering seventy five and eighty yards. Like that's that's what you're looking for. Like. was the worst case scenario. Everybody packs it up, thought we were done for the day. They bounced back with those two drives. Yeah, you know, Dallas Dowda back, Diggs wasn't out there, all the things. But the fact is those guys on that same day bounced back and down the line, that's going to serve them well. So good job by them. What did you guys think of Terry Bradshaw's comments on Sam Darnold? (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> Terry's awful at this. That's what I think. I mean, we, you can't, it's hard to take Terry Bradshaw seriously these days, man. Like, I don't want to hate on him. He's a football legend and all of this, but we kind of know what it is with Terry. You know, like Sam Darnold is not the best quarterback in franchise history. It's crazy to even say that after what the three games, I think he said it before the Dallas game even kicked off. And so, you know, it's crazy to say that even after the three games that we played, it's Terry Bradshaw being Terry Bradshaw. I mean, there's a reason he's got a show is because he's dramatic and he's fun. <laughs> My source has told me that Duke's Jay Williams may have been the one to suggest to Terry to tweet that, that that'd be a good tweet. <laughs> <laughs> Did he, do you guys, do you think that he, so I think they're like two out. Was he like Stephen A. Smithing it? And he was like, you know what? I'm going to say this. And I know, or was he just, did he just completely forget that Cam Newton existed? Like that, that I think is also an option. Like I, like Terry Bradshaw to me is just like out the door completely. That's just like, you know, all of a peanut butter sandwich, like, like that guy, like just, just doesn't have it anymore. And they put him on TV. Like, you know how they put Corso in there and they're just like, yeah, put yeah. the head on buddy. 
He's just like, all right, I'm the Wake oh, Forest. Like it's, Terry's a, He's a total character. And, and I was saying this the other day, watching him attempt to do highlights when we go back to the studio for halftime, he is <laughs> the absolute worst at it. But they still have him do it because he's a total character and it's football tradition. And this is what we do here at Fox. We allow Terry Bradshaw to read the highlights and try to say names he can't pronounce. And then we all laugh and it's complete CF. And that's what we do with Terry Bradshaw. He's the kind of guy that would say, Sam Darnold is the best quarterback in Panthers history. He'll say stuff like, Patrick is my homie. Touchdown. And it's just like, what are you yeah. doing? What's happening? Elbow bump to the uh, to the hip. Wink, wink. Yeah. My homie, you like what I said there? Oh, goodness, man. So, Terry. <laughs> well, before we move on to the game, what do you think that this game, this Dallas game, what did this tell us about the Panthers? Do we think we have any more clarity? Did we what, – what are your thoughts I've on done that? the math, everybody. Just so you know, 117th is 5.9% of the season. So just – that's what each week is now. It's 5.9% of the season. We knew this team wasn't going to be 17-0. We knew this game was going to be, uh, you know, one of the ones that they could lose. I thought 31-13 was, was a, you know, score that would be in play if things went – Poorly, we almost saw that, and then they bounced back. So this team is fine. We forget sometimes how ugly football losses can be. Like when it starts to get away from you and you start trying to do things desperate, it can get ugly quick, and we saw that um, against Dallas. Dallas is a better team, and if it, if it matters, if this team has a season, they'll have a chance to get their, their revenge later on down the line, and they've done that against Dallas in the past. So. Yeah, the, the fact that they came back and made it as close as they did, it allows me to feel good enough about this team um, going forward. And Dallas is really good. I, I think I don't have any problem putting them tier one with the best football teams in the NFL. That offense is too amazing. The offensive line is too good to allow that side of the ball to fail. And the defense is legit, as you mentioned earlier, Josh. Dan Quinn going back to his defensive coordinator roots, doesn't have to worry about the Gatorade flavor anymore because that's the job for the head coach. He can worry about scheming a defense. And you get Micah Parsons, who they've been able to utilize better. They've got Trayvon Diggs, who is turning into one of the top cover corners in the league. And they've got guys that are kind of coming out of the woodwork. You had no clue we're going to improve and be as good as they are. I, I, bottom line, Carolina – lost at the end by one possession didn't come up with a couple of stops and so be it they lost but they lost to a tier one football team in my opinion and they'll be better going forward that's what I think about Carolina's loss to Dallas yeah I think I, I I agree with both of you guys I think this puts them in exactly where where I think we all kind of thought they were I think if they'd have gone to Dallas and and won Certainly, if they'd have won convincingly on at AT&T Stadium, we would have been having a completely different conversation about where this team is. But I think in reality, the team is, is, is where we thought they were last week. It's a good team. It's a young team. It's a talented team that is on the, that is on the ascension, but they are not ready to compete with the top teams in the NFL, at least not on a week-to-week -week basis. And uh, there are going to be times when they can beat the best teams in the NFL, but there are also going to be times when they lose them. This is a team that should, that should probably win four out of their next five games because they are more, they, they now, they seem like the kind of team that wins, uh, that beats less talented teams. And they are certainly more talented than Philly, than the New York giants, 
then maybe then the Minnesota Vikings, maybe not, but you know, but at least they, they have, uh, and the Atlanta Falcons and then even maybe the new England Patriots. So then if you can win four out of those next five games, I mean, now, now we're looking at a team that's six and two, seven and two heading into this back half of the season. And then they have some, some better team better opponents that they'll face but yeah to me this didn't change the way that I feel about this team uh from a from a big picture standpoint and I have to say I was thoroughly impressed with with Dak Prescott thoroughly impressed guy's awesome love him he's he's phenomenal for a guy coming off an injury not you know never want to see that for a guy he I mean he was a difference maker he was the difference maker his 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 quick decision making for Dallas and you know, that, that was, he was great. You know how I knew that Dallas is ready to compete and want and thinks that they are ready to be in that top tier is because when the Panthers punted, I said to myself, good God, is CD lamb returning punts for this team? So that's where they're at right now. It's not, Hey, Alec, you know what? Shy Smith is hurt, but let's get, what do we got? Alex Erickson. Yeah. Throw him out. He's returned punts, right? It's, it's like, no, let's go out there and get points on every single play. Let's put one of our best players back there. He's a, he's a playmaker. He can do this thing. That to me is like, they're just, they're, they're terrifying on from an offensive standpoint. And now they have that defense too. So uh, that that's where they're at. They've just done an unbelievable uh, job at drafting. I, I mean, they, they take the guys that fall like a CD lamb, probably fell too far. They did a great job of building this offensive line, and they've got some older players there, but they're built to last. And then you even have somebody like a Tony Pollard, who is an excellent running back, backing up the Ezekiel Elliott, bring some competition. Now Zeke looks like the Zeke of old the last two weeks. It, it, it really is – you, you can't – I mean, you can't do a better job of drafting than what they did, certainly on that side of the ball. And now even defense, it's starting to come along, too. It, that's, it's just a really talented football team. And Kellen Moore, a little bit better of a play caller than what Jason Garrett is. 100% agree on Kellen Moore. They're a team that can win different styles of games. That's one thing about the Panthers. When the Panthers have an advantage right now, they, they can look great against teams. But we saw it against Dallas with this offensive line and truly the most disappointing game we've seen out of, uh, you know, Derek Brown and Daquan Jones up front um, and, and the way this team got got mauled in the run game. That's going to be, for me, the lasting image for this game. And it's going to be what I'm thinking about all the way until those Tampa games because there's a team that could load up and do it to you as well. It's the Bucks, at least in the, uh, you know, in the NFC. All right. For the game this week is brought to you by – Josh Klein. Yes, I'm excited. Um, I, during the when once Facebook returned, I felt like we had to have a, a Facebook slash social media related game. So this game is called what's it called? Jump in the comments. Uh, this one's called Jump in the Comments. Um, something that I would never recommend you do, but I did it. Um, I went into the Carolina Panthers Facebook page, the official Facebook page of the Carolina Panthers. And I clicked on a couple of articles um, and I looked at some of those comments and I'm going to present to you guys two different comments and you could tell me which one has more likes. Uh, These are direct from the, um, I will tell you exactly where this one is from. Um, This one is from the, uh, offensive line struggles um, article by Darren Gant. Uh, go to article. Um, but yeah, this is where it's coming from. 
And uh, actually, let me give you the exact title of that article because that's, you know, we, we, we like to be exact here. We're, we're not, we're certainly not a mess. That's for sure. Um, so all the comments, all the comments in this game are actual comments on panthers.com. Uh, they're actually from facebook.com slash okay. panthers. Okay, um, but they're all real comments. These are, none of these are made up by Josh Klein for the no, purpose of the segment. No, the original, uh, the original point I was thinking what would be fun is I would pick a comment and then I would create my own comment and you guys would have to debate which one was real, but <laughs> it ended up that, um, it's so many just, good it's, ones. <laughs> yeah. There, it's just almost like too, too embarrassing for people. So, um, yeah, so this one is from the offensive line issues still lingering. Uh, here are two comments. Um, here is the uh, the first one is, Dolphin fan that lived in Charlotte the last 11 years, you have nothing to be ashamed of. You're rebuilding nicely past the Cam Newton era. Though I'm back in Delaware, I enjoyed supporting my adopted city and Panthers during my time there. I think you Panthers are the best. You're really not that far away. Adam Gase destroyed Tannehill and Darnold. Tannehill looks like a very good QB. And so does Darnold. That's one comment. The okay, next comment is likes. I don't have to hear this next one. I'm just that's what I was going to say. That, that one got the least amount of likes. Whatever you're going to throw at me now. Did I, did I, did I, did I maybe give me, uh, did I maybe give myself away? Um, uh, because the next comment is forget that Cameron Irving has got to go. <laughs> <laughs> I did not mean to just destroy your bit. Although I kind of did. Uh, I will say that the second one has to have gotten the most amount of life. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you may have, you may have discovered the bit. Um, Cameron Irving, forget that Cameron Irving has got to go has 49 likes. The very nice comment of the above has one, one, one. like, uh, um, one uh, single solitary like. So, um, thank you for that one. Uh, I'll okay, be quiet so, this whole time. I won't, I won't jump in this time. I well, I feel like now, <laughs> well, I feel like now we're going to, we may have discovered how the rest of the, the cadence of the bit, but, um, we'll go for a couple more. Um, this next one is going to be from the uh, um, Tough Day in Dallas article. Um, it's pretty clear he's going to be the QB of the future and that the Jets squandered his ability. Now, next year, as flashy as trading down may become, you've just got to go for an O-line player round one. The defense is mostly set, aside from needing more little middle linebacker help, maybe a full-time safety opposite chin. All the skill positions are checked off on offense. It's time to fully build that line. That's one. The, okay, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, can we maybe guess the player that is referenced in the second comment that is a reply to that one? Because is so, Justin Fields the answer? Mm. <laughs> that would be a good guess, but it is oh, not. You, you actually will not be able to guess. It's not even, it's not a player. It is a, it is a, uh, it is a personality that is referenced. Does that help? Anybody have any guesses? So is Matt Rule's got to go? Is that the theme of this? Somebody's got to go in every one of these? <laughs> what you expect when Ron Rivera saw potential in third-string practice players who do really nice things for him, this line should have been fixed. There you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's hard to um, argue. You wouldn't think that at some point they could have fixed this. <laughs> It's a great point. I mean, what you expect. I should I should have told you guys there is no H and what. It's more of a what you expect. But yeah, thank um, you. Yeah, um, I, and I've just got one more here. Um, 
the first comment is um, played well, but you can't put, turn the ball over two times and expect to win. Young team got a tough lesson today. They'll be fine. That's the first one. The second one is don't give me. up when you don't give up when you lose your relationship or marriage. Solution is here. I meet a man called Doctor Bakaba. On this day, I'm very happy to tell everyone that my husband is back to me, thanks to Dr. Bakaba, who used his great powers to cast a spell that brought my husband back to me within three days. I really want to tell the world that Dr. Bakaba is gen- genuine, genius, and powerful. This means that it is capable to explore any broken relationship or marriage wow. just within the period of three days. And due to the fact that Dr. Bakaba is very helpful and must help people, will need to help restore their relationship or marriage dr bakaba cure disease like hiv herpes diabetics cancer <laughs> pregnancy spell disease and more <laughs> contact him now no problem is too big for him to slave okay uh, now i want to read the comments after that what are the replies <laughs> to that on <laughs> panthers.com because i think we could get some pretty funny ones regarding the panthers to that comment now it's a I've lot not of- kept up. I've not kept up with Dr. Bakuba as he started in a good place and then he kind of started experimenting. But his first book, The Answer is on the Roster, is is a must read. <laughs> I was just so impressed with the fact that he can cure diseases like HIV and herpes, which I'm pretty sure you can't cure. Not that I know for a fact, not that I know you know personally, but I'm pretty sure those are the <laughs> two that you- diseases though. And pregnancy. Yeah. Like, what do you mean you cure pregnancy? What does that mean? Not, not in Texas. You can't. Who you ask? <laughs> uh, Doctor Bakaba. I mean, can he cure the disease that is this offensive line? That's the real question. That's the reply I was yeah. waiting to hear. I thought there was going to be somebody that replied <laughs> that on Panthers.com. That's what I really wanted. To Bakaba at center next week, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure that, please. If anybody, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out there right now. If anybody gets a Bakaba uh, custom jersey made, um, I, I will I will uh, I don't even know. I'll just give you a hundred. I'll just reimburse what you. Are you I guess. Do because, because that, I think that could happen if somebody out there has a Bakaba jersey hanging in the closet. <laughs> I'm sure that there are ways you can tape over some letters and make it be Doctor Bakaba. I think you could probably do it. Dr. Bakaba, man, he cures a lot. He's got it all. Can he cure CMC's hamstring? Why wasn't that mentioned? It's a good point. Just just pregnancy and diabetics. That's it. And and herpes, apparently. Walker, where can folks find you? They can find you everywhere. You can find me at Dr. Bakaba. What you can really (laughs) find me at is at Walker Mail. At Lockdown Hornets, if you want to get out, give out the uh, the the Hornets love to a podcast covering it daily. Uh, so season picking up, Oklahoma City Thunder game just last night. James Book night looks good. So again, at Lockdown Hornets, we're talking about that. You can catch me every Monday at the Tavern, three hundred East Moorhead Street. Put, put, putting out more plugs there. If you want to check us out, watch some Carolina Panther football or even certainly Monday Night Football games there. Uh, that'll be Pro Football Rewind, hosting it with Al Wallace, friend of this podcast as well. So hosting it there every single week. That's fun. And uh, Sports Center CLT, six to seven p.m. Uh, every day on Sport on uh, seven thirty. The game. There's so many things to plug, man. Like I'm trying to figure out all of these different things that I'm involved in now. But just check me out at Walker Mail. I'm usually tweeting about one of them. And eating 48-ounce steaks. On the reg. That's me. 
<laughs> Josh Klein rules, Colin CLT, Nikki704. Josh, do you have any notes for the folks at home for this weekend? I do. Uh, RIP Don Shula. Um, first of all, I just want to get that out there. It's got to, it's got to get known. Um, Dr. Bakabai could have cured him. That's actually a really good him. point. Dr. Bakaba. Did, did Bakuba play in the first Hornets preseason game? Because he's on the roster. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Biombo uh, jersey, a lot of bees in the Carolina sports lore. Yeah, we, I, weird. I didn't realize that before. Waited like two seasons for Bakuba to come over. Finally, he's here. Did. Finally, bad, yeah. bad hand, bad hands. Type guy. All right, I'm done. <laughs> 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 Uh, um yeah come out roaringriot.com come out to the tailgate uh and also join us on all these awesome trips uh we had an incredible time in dallas i had a lot of uh, additional meat but also um we had 200 panthers fans uh there is nothing like walking from a from a uh tailgate into the stadium just surrounded by other panther fans it is an incredible feeling and i would i would encourage some everyone to do it at least once uh roaringriot.com or just uh just go to the bar and watch watch football with your friends because it, it's more fun when you do it with your friends also right. uh call call my guy dr dr underscore bakaba underscore underscore uh, 696920 <laughs> at on instagram at, at <laughs> this has been one day contract. It is crazy.